Rizzo in the Queen's Community Theatre production of Grease. And I'm Danny DeVito as Elder Cunningham in Book of Mormon. Love. And this podcast won't run a week. You're bi-weekly musical theater podcast where we talk about musicals. And this week we're in person, which is really just the best. We are in person. Just the best in the entire world. One mic. One mic. Two, one one, two girls, one mic. Two girls, one mic. Um, yeah, so... Stranger Things opened, and it was wonderful and so, so exciting. How was that for you? It was wonderful. It's, I've never, I can't remember if I talked about this last week, but, like, I've never been in a process where we've done so many previews and Mm -hmm. having rehearsals during the previews and then opening. Like, it just was really exhausting in a way that I've never felt. So I'm still kind of in catch-up mode when it comes to that, but, like, I mean, what a great thing to be exhausted over, you know? Like, of all the things. Um, Yeah, so it's not like I'm, like, exhausted and upset. I'm exhausted and happy, but I am (laughs) exhausted nonetheless. Um, But, yeah, opening was so cool. Julie James was there. I saw that. I was was looking at the pictures. I was like, (gasps) Sirius XM's Julie James? (laughs) I know, and I uh, did not have any idea what she looked like. I didn't either. I saw the picture, and I was like, that is literally... Not even close to what I thought she looked like. That's how I felt about Christine Petty when I first saw what she looked like. I was like, mm. you don't look what I, what I thought you would look like at all. I was thinking Julie James was Christine Petty. Oh! Yeah. Because I thought Chris. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but they're, now, they're both. They're both. XM. But both but different. Both but different. Same, same, um, but different. Same. It's different, but same. Oh. Um, that was cool. Um, I was looking through the pictures on Broadway World, and one of the, like, I thought it was a little bit weird that this, not that this person was there, but, like, they were, like, a celebrity, because this woman was, like, an understudy in Young Frankenstein. Oh, I know, yeah. And I was like, that's very cool, but also, like, what else did you do? Like, yeah. were you just an understudy? Because, honestly, slay. I mean, I think she probably is, like, uh, maybe kind of, like, under-the-table cult royalty, oh, you know what I mean? maybe. I wonder if that's yeah. what it is, like, people who are in the business know her mm. kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Um, because I saw that, too. And, but also, like, I mean, any kind of person that's that's ever been on Broadway showing, just coming to see our show yeah. was cool, you that's, know? That's just really, really cool. Yeah. Oh. And then the guy who won... You're the one that I want with Laura Osnes, Max Crum. He was there? He was there. <gasps> wow. <laughs> was he there at opening or was he there a different night? I don't... Either way, he saw the show. That's crazy. Yeah. And he, <sighs> like, he was, like, messaging um, uh, Caroline, the girl who plays Joyce, uh, like, for multiple times after the show so posted about her on her on his story on their story i think i think their they, pronouns are they them cool. um but on their story and stuff so that's so cool oh i know and it's happening it's happening it's all happening we did our first five show weekend and it was 
I'm feeling the hangover of that today. Yeah. Don't know when my next day off will be. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. do you have something to do more? Oh, you work Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Well, soon. <laughs> I, I'm with you, though. Like, I, I have coming out opens this week, so I have to do all the tech stuff for that. Mm-hmm. And then Into the Woods opens next week. And I found out on Saturday that I need to go in and change something and, like, add something. Oh. So, and I've got all of that, plus I'm starting a new job this week, plus I have my old job, plus I have to pack for a wedding. So, that'll be fun. And, yeah. There's so much. There's so much. But it's good so to have, much. it's good to be busy and yeah. it's good to say, like, we have things going on. Definitely. It's yeah. always, I think, better to be busy than to not have anything at all. I would agree with you on that. Um, because when I don't have anything at all, that's when the depression really hits. I mean, the depression is always there. Yeah. It really hits when there's, like, nothing. Mm, yes. Nothing. Yes. Um, but, uh, this episode we're going to talk about Stephen Sondheim's Follies, which is really, I was thinking about it, and it's pro- it's definitely, I think, in my top Sondheim I don't list. know it very well. Oh, I think it's, like, beautiful. It's beautiful, but also, like, funny, and it's it's really interesting, and its story, I think, is really interesting of, like, how it's evolved and changed mm-hmm. um, since the creation of it, and... I only know the the cup, a couple songs from it, like, oh, yeah. the big hits, mm-hmm. um, Losing My Mind, and... Could I Leave You, which oh. I want to do so bad. You should. I know. Um, and then, uh, oh, Buddy's Blues, which is mm-hmm. not on the Revival soundtrack. Yeah. Which is a bummer because they what they did at the Tonys. Wait, the God, Why Don't You Love Me? Yeah, it's yeah. on there. It's just not called Buddy's Blues. It's called something else on the test recording. Oh, well, I, for the longest time, have been looking for that song. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's just a different title. I can't remember what the title is. Well, that's a shame. Because it's called Buddy's Blues other places. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Because thing, there, basically, this show has evolved and changed so much. The show is rarely performed the same between, like, different productions. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, let's get into some trivia. Yes. Um, so, it's a musical. Music and lyrics by Mr. Stephen Sondheim. Book is by a man named James Goldman. Um, after the failure of Do I Hear a Waltz, uh, Stephen Sondheim decided to only work on projects where he would write the music and lyrics himself. Work. And so, and honestly, that was a great move. Very smart. Um, the show was inspired by a New York Times article about a gathering of former Ziegfeld girls, um, from the Ziegfeld Follies, for those who might not know. Um, fools! And it was originally titled The Girls Upstairs, which... There's a whole song waiting mm-hmm. for the girls upstairs. And it went from, like, producer to producer to producer. Like, it went through a bunch of them before finally landing on Harold Prince. And he agreed to be producer and director if Stephen Sondheim would work on company with him. So. Oh. Sly. So we get two really great shows from this little agreement. Thank God. Harold Prince is also the one who changed the title to Follies. He was, quote, intrigued by the psychology of a reunion of old dancers and loved the play on the word follies. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't even think about that. (laughs) I was just like, it's because they were follies, girls. No, it's the follies of their life. Yep. God. This is why they pay him the big, well, paid him the big bucks. Rough. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) R.I.P. 
The original Broadway production was directed by Harold Prince and Michael Bennett, and Michael Bennett also choreographed the original production. Mikel Bennett? Mikel Bennett. Wow. Of Ecuris Liné. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, of what, though? Of course, line. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it opened on April 4th, 1971, at the Winter Garden Theater, which will soon be empty because the Music Man is finally closing. Wait, we also didn't talk about the fact that Phantom of the Opera is closing. Oh my god, you're right. Phantom of the Opera is closing, and I really don't know how to feel. Um, I went out to dinner with a friend last night, and they have a friend who is in the know about stuff like that, and they said that they are losing a million dollars a month, and that's why they're closing. Yeah. Because apparently there was, like, a rumor that it was to help get Cinderella over here because Cinderella was having a problem. Whatever. We, yeah. Y'all know about Cinderella yeah. at this point. But, um, yeah. That's a million dollars a month. They must have had some kind of, like, deep-pocketed, like, ghost investor or something. Or just, oh, like, yeah. a fund that they were just pulling money out of. Well, they probably just have money... Just, they probably weren't losing money for a long time. Yeah. Because of the movie and because it's been literally running for forever. Since the 80s. Yeah. Um, so they probably just, it wasn't hurting them probably yeah. to lose money. And then it started hurting. Yeah. I mean, it's... A million dollars a month. That's a lot of money to be losing. The pandemic probably hurt them. Definitely. I think the pandemic probably hurt a lot of... Andrew Lloyd Webber projects. Yes. Well, people are just tired of the same shit, you know? Like, yeah. after the pandemic, I think a lot of shows got hit with that. And they're, and, and on a original, well, that's not fair because Darren Hansen is original, but things that people know or have tolerated in the past mm-hmm. are starting to get a little bit of a wake-up call. Yeah, people have less patience mm-hmm. for things like that, which is... Nice. I think we've ex- extended a lot of grace to projects that maybe don't deserve it. Yeah. Um. Just because it's like, oh, well, like, Phantom of the Opera's been there since the 80s. It's an yeah. institution. Yeah. And I don't want to say that, like, the artists themselves don't deserve it. No. But, like, Dear Evan Hansen doesn't... Is The story itself is not uh, a fruitful piece of material that the world needs to be hearing. Exactly. Phantom yeah. of the Opera. I think we've heard the story. Yeah. It's been done a million times. There's a really great movie starring Gerard Butler. We don't need it. We don't need it anymore. I know. Once Gerard Butler hit the scene. (laughs) Everything else? Whatever. I don't know. I did get to see uh, Norm Lewis and Sierra Boggess do it. And it was like, oh, this is how this is supposed to be seen. Yeah. I think that would be the only thing that could get me to go see it. They were beautiful. I'm sure. I just... With shows that have run for that long, and I feel this way about Chicago, too. Mm -hmm. It's like, I just feel like everyone in it is tired. Even if they're, like, pretty new, I think it's just the material is tired, and so the cast must also be tired. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that might be incorrect. And if it is incorrect, forgive me. I don't know. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. But Phantom is closing, The Music Man is closing on January 1st. And Dear then Durban Hansen closed, and Beetlejuice is closing on January eighth, which on I love because it's running for like one week longer than the Music Man. I love that. Um, and that just feels even though I don't like I like Beetlejuice, but it's not even 
on my list of favorite shows. No. I just root for an underdog, and it yeah, it feels good. I do think that, I mean, I saw Beetlejuice. You saw it too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I thought that it was the set and the costumes mm-hmm. were out of this world spectacular. Yeah. Like, I've never seen something like that on stage. Yeah. Um, however, the book is funny, mm-hmm. but the lyric, like, I, I don't know, like, the, yeah. the music and lyrics, I, I wasn't super into, um, I thought Alex Brightman, it, for I mean, anything, like, someone in my, in my cast actually said that they really liked the show, a bunch of people in my cast really liked the show, which I guess, like, were kind of a similar feel to it, so yeah. I guess it makes sense, but they were kind of advocating for it, and they said that the show, the book itself is really funny, and it has a lot of similar humor, but if other people were in the show, it probably wouldn't have the amount of success that it has. I agree. And, yeah, so it's like, yeah, you can't take Alec Brightman out of Beetlejuice. No. You I know, mean, and then it'd be the same. Like, yeah. His performance is so phenomenal. It's like, why would you... I wouldn't go see it if he wasn't in it. God, no. He was so good, too. Like, uh, genuinely one of the better performances I've seen in a long time. And I... And when I saw him in School of Rock, too, I felt the same way. Yeah, he was... I got to see him in the City Center production of Assassins as Zangara. He was incredible. Like, he's just an incredible talent, and I love him. I think he's wonderful. And I Um, bet he's the type of person that if you ask him, like, how he does it, he'd be like, I don't really know what you mean. You know, like... Yeah. It would be a... I, I don't really understand why people think... I'm yeah. as good as that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like I just go in and I do the work. Yeah. And he's great. Alex, yeah. I know you're listening. Big fans. Big fans, big fans. Um, so, Follies, it opened in April of 1971 at the Winter Garden, and it was nominated for 11 Tony Awards, and it won seven. For some reason, I didn't write down what seven it won, but it did win seven. <laughs> um, at the time... It was the most expensive musical production in Broadway history. Oh, shit. The original 1971 production cost $700,000, which, I did the math, for with inflation today, would be $5,119,004.94. Damn. And it ran for 500 for more than 500 performances, but it lost $650,000 for investors. So that's icky. Yeah. That's too much. It's a lot of money to be losing um, for investors. And I think with a lot of Sondheim stuff, unfortunately, I don't know why, because I think they're all brilliant, even the frogs, um, <laughs> you know, they don't run for very long. And so I think with Sondheim, it's more of a, like an investment in the arts and less of a, I'm wanting to get this money back. Which, I mean, I hope that's what people go into it thinking because they're probably not going to get their money back unless, I guess, it's this Into the Woods revival, which seems to be doing really well. We also haven't talked about that. Yeah. Andy Carl's coming back. Yeah. It's Rapunzel's and, Prince. And, and Brian, Brian Darcy, Darcy James. James. So I'll be able to see Brian Darcy James and Stephanie J. Block play opposite each other. Your dream. And I'm literally... I texted my friend David Gao and was like, I'm creaming my jeans right now. Like, I can't, I can't even imagine 
the full body experience I'm going to have watching that. Because I will pay whatever money I need to to see that happen. Absolutely. It's like, whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. I'll go into debt. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't need my money. I don't. Um, take my entire paycheck from Stranger Things. Every paycheck. The whole thing. Yeah. James Goldman continued to work on the book right up until his death, and Sondheim also added and removed songs that he felt were problematic and or didn't work in various productions. So because of this, Follies is really performed twice in the exact same version. Um, and it's like, some shows run without intermission, some do have an intermission. Songs are cut, songs are put in. Like, it's, it's That's very... so interesting. Yeah. Um, there have been a million productions of the show just everywhere. Um, the most recent Broadway revival was in 2011 and it starred Bernadette Peters as Sally, Danny Burstein as Buddy, Ron Raines as Ben, and Jan Maxwell as Phyllis. Um, and in the original Broadway production, I must note the role of Hattie was played by my queen, my legend, everything I want to be in this world, Miss Elaine Stritch. Mm. And I love her and I think that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's some trivia. Alright, so, this is the synopsis that I got off of, um, I think this was MTI's page. Mm. And so, because of that, I'm just going to note that in this production, in this version of the script, the stage action is continuous. So no intermission? Um, it says, Follies can be played with or without an intermission as indicated in the script, but I assume that they mainly mean it doesn't have an intermission. Um, I don't know. All right, story time, let's get cozy. <laughs> um, so, an old dusty curtain rises to the sound of a soft timpani. The stage of a large, long, unused theater becomes visible. A tall, pale, ghostly showgirl dressed in black and white starts to move slowly. Another ghostly showgirl, also dressed in black and white, enters and begins to walk across as a major domo rushes on stage, followed by waiters and waitresses carrying trays and glasses and party equipment. Um, so the cool, one of the cool things about this show is we're seeing these people in like present day, 1971, and we're also seeing versions of themselves in the past. So when they mm-hmm. were in their twenties, um, and so there are like ghosts of like chorus girls from the past and also ghostly versions of themselves and it's i think really cool the waiters and waitresses move off stage as more chorus girls ghostly chorus girls show up musicians enter and you know like move things around they're getting set up for a party of some kind um and sally durant Plummer, a 49 year old former showgirl rushes in worried that she might be the first to arrive she is um you know aside from the people who are working the event um one of the ghostly showgirls Young Sally moves toward her, but Sally doesn't see any of the ghosts. No one sees the ghosts. No one acknowledges them. A waitress hands her a silk sash, and um, the other party guests, former showgirls, chorus girls, and their husbands enter, and they range in age from their 50s to their 80s. And they all arrive, and we see ghosts of them from the past, um, and like show. 20s and 30s show tunes are playing. Ben and Phyllis Stone arrive. Young Phyllis, another ghostly chorus girl, moves towards actual grown-up Phyllis. And then Sally's husband, Buddy Plummer, arrives and is, like, asking for Sally. 
Um, Sally's very excited to be here. This is like the biggest thing for her in a really long time. Dimitri Weissman introduces himself to the guests and to the audience by announcing that, you know, for several years during the World Wars, he produced the Weissman Follies in this theater, which is going to be demolished in order to build a parking lot. Um, so this is their last hurrah, um, and he welcomes everybody to the first and last reunion of the Weissman Follies. He asks Roscoe, an elderly man, to sing the song that would bring in the former Weissman girls one last time, and that's the song Beautiful Girls, which isn't the song from Singing in the Rain, but I always think it is, that beautiful girls, oh my god, yeah, I always think it is, but it's not, um, uh, each of the ladies is wearing a sash with the date of her follies here, marked in gold. So that was that silk sash Sally got earlier. And they make a grand entrance down the folly stairs as Roscoe sings, and they parade across the stage. Buddy finds Sally when that song ends. She's worried that he might be upset with her for taking an earlier flight, but she was so excited she wanted to get there as early as possible. They talk, the cu um, couple begins to dance. Um, Stella and Max... Uh, Deems talked to Weissman about the cruise's radio performers. I believe that they were like comedians um, in the Follies. And Ben and Phyllis talked to Hattie Walker, a tough 70-year-old former Weissman girl, um, Elaine Stritch. Ben gives her an autograph for her grandson. And I believe that this is when we find out that Ben is now in politics. And he's a politician and philanthropist. Phyllis tells Ben how she admires his charm with women. Um, we meet Solange Lafitte, another former Weissman girl in her mid-60s, and she tells Weissman about her new perfume line. Sally begins speaking to Weissman, who doesn't remember who she is. Which is kind of sad, because this is what she's been most excited about for clearly months. And one of the fun things about this show is it's kind of like Wild Party in that they're Lip is Wild Party, and that there are four characters in the stories mainly focused on them, mm. and then there are all these tangential characters that are just kind of, like, having a good time. <gasps> like, the main characters are Sally, Buddy, Ben, and Phyllis, and then everyone around them is just like, let's do our old number, for old time's sake. <laughs> and they're, like, having a group mental breakdown, um, as people are, like, tap dancing in the corner. <laughs> just doing, like, just, like, performative karaoke. Yeah, if there's a karaoke machine, people are singing Don't Stop Believing." Um. But it's Journey doing Don't Stop Believing" yeah, in karaoke. and it becomes, uh, Rock of Ages. Yeah. As Sally begins recalling other faces in the crowd, Phyllis sees her and calls out to her. And at that same moment, young Phyllis and Sally race excitedly down the stairs, making final adjustments to their Follies costumes before their entrance. Um, present day Sally stares blankly at Phyllis. After Phyllis um, asks her name again, Sally tells Phyllis that she looked so regal um, that she didn't feel like she could hug her. She's like, oh my god, you look like a queen. And then Phyllis is like, well, if you can't hug me, I'll hug you. And they embrace, and their younger selves race back up the stairs um, to presumably get ready for what they're going to do after the show. Have sex. To, fuck, this is a show about lesbians. Um, <laughs> Phyllis and Sally, they talk about the apartment that they used to share, and um, they ask about one another's husbands. Sally asks if Ben is still working with the UN, and Phyllis is like, oh, you could ask him yourself, he's here. And Sally's like, oh, he came? Remember that. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Remember that. Uh, as they exit, Hattie Walker, Elaine Stritch, muses about how she's outlived five husbands. It's not Hattie Walker, it's Hattie from, um, what is, Hattie from, um, oh shit, I've lost the joke now, from Flavor Flav. <laughs> yes. That was her um, name, Hattie. Out of five husbands. <laughs> oh, no, not New York. No, I know. Oh. But, like, the Hattie one... in this show is out of five husbands. Oh, yeah, it work. Uh, well, it's because she killed them with that sal- that chicken that she tried to cook <gasps> in the microwave. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, Ben and Buddy are sitting down They're talking about the past Because they were friends in school um, So they're catching up Buddy asks about Ben's life with Phyllis And then we see the ghostly versions Of young Buddy and Ben appear Young Buddy tells young Ben That he's arranged a date for Ben With Sally's roommate Phyllis Who's a nice but lonely girl Back in the present Buddy and Ben uh, continue their talk and both of them mention that they've stopped playing around with other women. A waitress walks by, Buddy makes a pass at her, and follows her off stage. So, I don't think Buddy has stopped playing around with other women. Um, Danny is that, is that when they do the... No. Oh, no, that Buddy's comes in... Blues? No, that's the um, I don't know where down. it comes in the it's show, okay. because I don't... I didn't know it was called something <laughs> else. Yeah, that comes in later. Um, Buddy exits, we meet Vincent and Vanessa, who Vanessa! were also... In the Follies years ago, they brought they bought a dancing school franchise. We meet another person. Like, we meet so many people, and honestly, I don't know that it really pays off. Because it's like, we meet these people, and it's like, oh, it's cool that we're seeing them, and we're meeting them, and we're filling out this world. But it doesn't really impact the story that much. Wow. So, no offense. Like, if you play... I'm gonna tell Sondheim you said that. Okay, you can. That's fine. I'm gonna oh. go to his grave and <laughs> his grave and just whisper. Whisper. <laughs> um, so we meet a bunch of people, and um, as we meet them, Sally sees Ben and gasps. <gasps> and as she says his name, young Sally appears. She's dressed in a street coat and is demanding that Ben look at her and give her an explanation. As Sally nervously is like. <gasps> Don't Look At Me Yet. And that's the song, Please Don't Look At Me, which is like... I don't know that song. It's very funny. Um, I also, I think Bernadette Peters is a really wonderful Sally. Imelda Staunton also played Sally, and I like yes. her too. I like her, that like pro shot oh my of god. her. Oh my god, yes. it's beautiful. I love Imelda Staunton playing a woman, having an absolute mental <laughs> I breakdown. love Imelda Staunton playing a woman. <laughs> Period. When she plays men, I don't like her as much, but women... Um, also, listeners, if you hear that, that's the ambiance of New York City. Like, I don't know what you expect. Um, silence? No. Maybe someday. Um, Ben remembers Sally's endearing habits, like how anxious she is and how she used to eat, like, baby roots for breakfast. And the two of them sing about how they've aged and they go off to get drinks. Buddy and Phyllis are dancing and fondly recalling the past. Um, and Ben and Sally are dancing nearby. Sally is explaining how she always felt inferior to Phyllis. Um, and Buddy asks Phyllis if she remembers all the fun times that the four of them had. When Phyllis remarks that she has tried not to remember, Buddy recalls he and, used to ben, he and Ben used to wait each night for the girls to come down from the theater. 
and um, they all reminisce about the good old days, and that's waiting for the girls upstairs. And as they reminisce, young Sally and young Phyllis come down the stairs to meet young Ben and Buddy. They argue about where they're going to go for the evening, and they, like, jokingly, like, relive the argument in the present day as older versions of themselves, and they, like, sing and laugh about how foolish they were back then. Like, ah uh ha -huh. How uh -huh. funny when our only issues were... Are we going to go dance at Tony's or are we going to go to this other place? Like, what are we going to... Oh, I'm so stressed out. And it's like, Kim, people are dying. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. Did you see the girl, the girl, um, the influencer, Michaela? Yes. Girl, I'm trying to be an influencer for a day. I just got off work and it's 5.16. Yeah, I'm like... Girl, I, you know what? Let's switch places. Yeah, I would love to switch places. Let's with switch you. places. I saw it was someone like posted that sound and then it was like a montage video of her like opening luxury yeah. handbags. Yeah. I was like, girl, like you, you sit at home and open gym and, and open put on things and put expensive on makeup. makeup. Like, yeah. Like, I'm not saying that that's not, there's not difficulty in that no. because of course there is, but like, like perspective. Yeah. Well, it's also like you used to work. At, like, an Ulta. Like, you know what it's like to work. Yeah. How could you get so out of touch so fast? Yeah. It's crazy. But again, there is difficulty in it. Of course. But to say that... Yeah, no. Yeah, like, how could you... Just try being an influencer for the day. I would love to. Yeah. I would love to try being an influencer for the day. You know, making, what, $15,000 per post? Yeah. Yeah. That's... $15,000 is... Almost what I make in a year. Yeah. Like, bitch. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah, that was really disappointing. Yes, it um, was, because I loved her. I did, too. Um, so, um, a photographer is there and starts taking pictures of people, and this is when, like I mentioned earlier, the, like, tangential characters are like, let's sing our old numbers. Like, oh my god, how funny would that be? And so, like, there's a tap number happening called Rain on the Roof, and then Solange... Um, sings one of her signature numbers, Ah Paris. Hattie comes up and sings her number, I'm just a Broadway baby. Which I always forget is from this. Yeah. It's weird because it's like I also forget because it feels like it's something separate because it's had such a life of its own. Where yeah. I think a lot of Sondheim songs don't feel separate from their shows, but Broadway Baby does. Yeah. It feels so separate. It feels so, like, individual and... Because it, it's so many people have performed it and performed it out of context mm -hmm. and like out of age range too. Yeah. Because it's not for like young, no, cutesy girls. No. But God, my favorite performance of it though is Bernadette Peters in her solo show mm -hmm. when she's like, I have, and sometimes in the audience and she's like, I have never gotten to do Follies, <laughs> but. I'll do a song now. And then she does Broadway Baby and yeah. it's so good. Phenomenal. Well, the, the comedy of the song is that it's sung by a woman in her 70s. Being yeah. Like, I'm just a Broadway baby, like, hustling, living in my tiny little room. Yeah. Like, let me be a little chorus, like, tapper. Like, that... Elaine Stritch is so... It, she does it in her solo show, too, mm -hmm. doesn't she? Elaine Stritch is the... Yeah. The metric. Um, you're either 
as good as a lane stretch or you're, you shouldn't be doing it. And Bernadette Peters is as good as a lane stretch. I mean, yeah. In this. So all of that happens and we see more ghostly showgirls. Ben tells Sally that even though his life as a diplomat isn't as glamorous as she thinks, he thinks it's a good, successful life. The important thing is knowing what you want. Ben never thinks of the options that he ignored, and that's the song, The Road You Didn't Take. Mm. But he says that, but what he's, but he's very clearly does think about those things. Yeah. Because the whole song is like, The Road You Didn't ta- Take wasn't all that grand. Was it? Right. Like, he's questioning himself the whole time. Um, so he clearly does think about it. Was it? Wasn't it? Was yeah. it? Wasn't it? No. Yeah. <laughs> Dominus. <laughs> um, young Ben and Buddy appear. Young Buddy gives young Ben the keys to his car and asks him if he has enough money for his date. Ben continues to sing about how he won't remember the paths he didn't choose, all while remembering young Ben taking young Phyllis out on a date. When the song ends, Sally tells Ben that she was in love with him when they were younger. They, be- <laughs> they begin to dance. Buddy tells Phyllis that Sam- Sally and Ben make a lovely couple. Ooh. They begin um, a lovely couple. After telling Phyllis more about his life with Sally, Buddy tells Phyllis that Sally is still in love with Ben. And Phyllis tells him that she used to suspect the same thing, but thought that time had changed the situation. It has not. <laughs> Sally well, is in love with Ben. And it's very apparent to yeah. anyone with eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, young Phyllis and young Ben appear. She's admiring the engagement ring that he's just given her, and she tells Ben that she'll try to be a good wife. As the memory fades, Phyllis angrily tells Buddy that life and maturity are all about making bargains. She tells mm-hmm. him how the excitement with one of her ex-lovers passed with time, and now, at the end of the affair, she was still Mrs. Stone and had $30,000 worth of silver in her dining room. When Buddy... Same. I, it's like, well, you know, there are worse ways to end up. Yeah. Um, when Buddy asks what happened to the young, innocent Phyllis, she tells him that she made her own choices and walks away. <laughs> and then we see another number from the old Follies that doesn't really matter in terms of the plot, but it does happen. Um, Sally tells Ben about the many cities that she and Buddy have lived. They've lived... You know, in Detroit, they lived in Houston. They kind of bounced from place to place before they settled in Phoenix, Arizona. And she tells him that the best part of her life is knowing that Buddy will always think that Sally is young and beautiful. In Buddy's eyes, I'm mm. young and beautiful. In Buddy's eyes, I, I love that song. It's just, like, so cute, and it's, like, out of context, it's very sweet, because mm-hmm. you can take it earnestly. Right. But in the show, in the context of the show, it's like... It's fine, because yeah. Buddy loves me. I don't know that I love him, but he loves me, and, like, that's enough for me. Sure. Yeah. It's like, okay, Sondheim. Um, young Sally, who's upset, rushes by, followed by young Ben, and she tells Ben that she won't continue seeing him after he's given a ring to Phyllis. Young Ben accepts this news, and he and young Sally embrace as Sally continues the song, and... Sally and Ben are still dancing. Uh, there's a lot of dance people just, like, dancing in the show. Um, Phyllis cuts in and draws Sally off to the side, where she confronts her with Buddy's news that Sally is still in love with Ben. And, um, it's really funny because she's like, let's catch up. How do you like the party? I love your dress. Where'd you get it? How do you like my husband? Work. (laughs) Just ruthless. Um, 
Sally sweetly suggests that Buddy, she's like, oh, Buddy's so jealous. <laughs> I'm not in love with your husband. <laughs> the band starts to play a song as Phyllis becomes more confrontational. Um, Stella Deems enters and she's like, let's all sing and dance the song that we used to do. Who's that woman? It's the big mirror number. Um, and none of them have performed it in years. And so the women decide to do it. And the song is about an unhappy woman who never knew real love. Little on the nose. As the number <laughs> continues, they're joined by their younger selves doing the number. So it's older versions, younger versions, all doing the number about a woman who never knew real love. When the number ends, Ben and Buddy rush up to congratulate Phyllis and Sally. Weissman's like, oh, the food's ready. And then the couples separately reveal how troubled their marriages are. After Sally mentions that Ben is unhappy with Phyllis, Buddy tells Sally that he's decided to spend more time with her at home. Phyllis suddenly kisses Ben, but she is hurt by his unresponsiveness and she confronts him about the lack of honesty in their relationship. Sally confronts Buddy with her knowledge of Buddy's relationship with Margie, a woman in Dallas. Phyllis expresses unhappiness with her marriage when she accuses Ben of fooling around with other women. He acknowledges this before they angrily walk away from each other. Phyllis seduces one of the waiters. Slay. More. Uh, oh, wait. Never m In this version of the show, I think it's Carlotta Sings, I'm Still Here, um, mm. which is a song about a woman who's been around a long time and survived all the good and bad things that have happened to her. Ugh, Elaine Stritch at his birthday. Elaine Stritch at his birthday. Elaine Stritch in her show at the Liberty. This song is it's hers. Yeah. It's her song. Um, and I... I love that she waited to do it until she was older. Yeah. Like, in terms of her own shows. Because it's like, I, it doesn't mean anything if someone in their 20s does it. Or no. someone in their 30s does it. Or 40s, even. Yeah, I know. It's like, it needs to be someone who has lived a long life. And it's one of my favorite songs, I think, in the world. It's such a good song. It's so good. When she, like, jumps. Yeah. I love her. And then at the end, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. She's so good. Iconic. Truly. Um, ben tells Sally that he must have loved Phyllis at one time. Their marriage was the only impulsive thing that he ever did. Sally tells him that he has always been afraid to feel things and urges him to close his eyes. Young Sally and young Ben appear half-dressed and gazing at each other. Sally tells Ben that all she thinks about is the time that they were in love. Young Sally tells young Ben how in love with him she is. This show is so much. There's so much happening, but also not that much happening. Yeah. Um, it's about one very specific thing. Yeah. But so many moving parts are surrounding the one thing. I can see why it wasn't as successful. Yeah. I, I read... just are like too... I, don't, I think it's probably too much information. Yeah. Without much happening. Exactly. I read an article about the show and it's like, this is the kind of show that people either love or they hate. And there is no... No yeah. one is like, it's fine. Yeah. I love it. But I love drama. So... <laughs> Um, you know, that's why. <laughs> um, so young versions of themselves appear, and, um, Ben tells Sally that he wishes he were 25 years old again, and Sally becomes lost in the memory as she and young Sally tell Ben that they will wait for him to return after the war. 
Ben opens his arms and young Sally rushes to him as he lets himself feel how much he wished that he and young Sally were still together. And the song, Too Many Mornings, mm. which is another beautiful song. All of the music is beautiful. Um, Sally joins him in the song, which ends with Sally replacing young Sally in Ben's arms as young Sally and young Ben walk off hand in hand. Sally and Ben kiss, and Ben tells Sally that he wants to make love to her. Ooh. When Gross. Sally, I know, I hate that phrase. It, I would honestly, I'd, I would rather just think, let's fuck. Honestly. That feels less gross to me. Yeah. But I also hate the term lover. I know. My lover. My lover. Unless it's that one skit. Yeah, that SNL skit. <laughs> yeah, that's the and only time it's okay. Come into the hot tub. Hot tub. <laughs> um... <laughs> This is my f- good friend, Dan Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Love her. Um, uh, wants to make love to her. When Sally asks Ben if they are getting married, Ben snaps back from his memory of the past and awkwardly tells Sally that whatever they had, it all happened in the past. At that same moment, young Ben tells young Sally that there's no need for them to marry and walks away from her. Sally ends up standing next to the younger version of herself and tells Ben that everything will be fine. Buddy has been asking himself why he stays with Sally, and he contrasts his frustrations with Sally to the happiness he feels when he's with Margie, who asks very little of him in the song The Right Girl, where it goes like back and forth between his life with Margie and his life with Sally. He begins rehearsing a speech to end his marriage. Work. Same. Sally joins him and happily announces that she and Ben are going to go get married. She's like, we're getting married, so it's fine. Ben, now drunk, propositions one of the uh, other former girls, a woman named Carlotta, um, with whom he once had a brief affair. She gently refuses as another former Follies girl sings another song that is like they do in movies about, like, teenagers where they're like, in English class, we're studying the Scarlet Letter, which is going to directly tell you about what's happening in this movie. Right. The songs directly tell you what's happening in the show because the song, the old Folly song, is about the end of a love affair. Phyllis, who's been off in a corner with the waiter, good for her, joins Ben and tells who tells her that he wants to find real love again. When Ben tells her that he wants her to leave him, Phyllis angrily lists all of the reasons why she would leave him but refuses to say if she will in the song Could I Leave You. Which is my track. Absolutely. I would I would love to see you play Phyllis. I love this song so much. And again, that Sondheim birthday concert, mm-hmm. um, Donna Murphy's version is so iconic. Yeah. She, it's like she is the most, she is Phyllis. Yes. Like, it's so good. But I've done that already. Mm-hmm. Oh, didn't you know love? Ugh. God, Donna Murphy's voice is so cool. It really... Tell me how could I leave if I left long ago? Love. It's, it's very Eartha Kitt meets, yes, like, yes. Marin Maisie mm-hmm. or something. It's singular. Yep. So, you mish. Elon, CCM, make note. Singular voice. I was about to be like... Interesting. She went to you, mish? <laughs> no. No, she sounds like her own person. Yeah. Of course she didn't. <laughs> um... Ben, Phyllis, Sally, and Buddy watch the innocence and idealism of their younger selves 
Um, and the older people confront their younger selves and blame them for making the choices that have left them unhappy. As this confrontation climaxes, this is the, like, group mental breakdown that I mentioned earlier. This Dr is gonna be the School of the Arts 10-year reunion. <gasps> It'll be the I wanna, of I wanna be the waiter. <laughs> Just like, did you see that? Yeah, did you see? Did you see that? Um, so, um... Heavenly music is heard, trumpeters in medieval costumes appear, and beautiful young dancers dressed as Dresden dolls and cavaliers enter. Ben, Phyllis, Sally, and Buddy are now in Loveland. As numerous showgirls enter and walk the stage, the chorus describes Loveland as a place where lovers are always young and beautiful and everyone lives only for love. Young Ben and young Phyllis dance on dressed in bright costumes now and sing a duet about how he will guarantee her happiness tomorrow. Um, in the song You're Gonna Love Tomorrow, um, which, uh, is, like, simultaneous, not quite simultaneously, but very closely happening with the song Love Will See Us Through, which is young Buddy and young Sally singing about how love will allow them to ignore each other's irritating traits. Work. Um. I promise it doesn't help. <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. There's a... It might be one of his birthday performances, but there's a performance of this song that is really good. And I think, even though she's, like, kind of canceled, Laura Osnes does Young Sally, and she's mm. pretty good. I mean, like, yeah. yeah she's good. Fuck Laura Osnes, but, yeah. like, her voice is Her insane. voice is, like, stupid. Um, young, yeah, so they sing their songs, and then the show curtain drops. Buddy enters dressed in a bright jacket baggy pants and a derby hat of a Follies clown and he steps out and he sings his true feelings and fears about love in the God why don't you love me blues. Is that what it's called? Yep. Oh. As a chorus girl dressed in caricatures of Sally and Margie flounce around the stage. Yeah. And it's like Ikea! Ikea! I love it. I do too. Oh don't go! Don't go! Oh. The, and it's interesting that they chose to do this at the Tony Awards. It is but it was so good i loved it so much but it has nothing it doesn't it, I, I don't know it it just wasn't it's not the show no i i don't know what they would have done losing my mind i guess but it's like i don't know at least this is like upbeat and it's more than one person i guess but like have bernadette peters get up there and do losing my mind True. like I mean, her performance in of this of losing my mind in this show is such a masterclass mm -hmm. of stillness mm -hmm. and like the power of stillness. Yeah. Whoo. It's, it's magical. It's magical. It's magical. And like, Bernadette Peters is yeah. such a good actress. Um, so <laughs> next we see Sally dressed in an elegant dress of a 1930s film star. And that's when she sings losing my mind. Mm. Um, which is like, one of the most devastating songs I've ever heard in my life. The first time I heard You Said You Love Me or Were You Just Being Kind. Yeah. I think it broke my brain. Yeah, no. Well, also, like, sometimes I stand in the middle of the floor, not going left, not going right. And, like, the way that it builds mm -hmm. underneath. And that... It's... This show has such incredible music. Like, really, yeah. I think it's some of his best music he's ever written. It is. It's it's filled with so much emotion. But that's why the what's happening, although the story is very, like, complex in the way it's told, um, the actual 
plot is very simple, mm -hmm. which allows for deeper complexity within the telling of it because you have more time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this show is less plot driven and it's all character driven, mm -hmm. um, which is... Which I think is uh, very Sondheim. Very yeah. Sondheim. I love a character-driven show. Um, at the end of Sally's song, Phyllis enters wearing a short red French dress, and she sings the story of Lucy and Jesse, which is about two unhappy women with opposite sensibilities who need to become one person in order to be happy. It is a fun song. It is a fun song. Um, and lastly, Ben enters um, in this, like, man about town. <laughs> Which makes me think of Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, You're the man about time. And he sings um, a song, um, fending off his fears by by living gaily. Work. Um, however, he forgets his lyrics, and the song ends with him frantically justifying his choices to the chorus, who continues to just sing and dance like everything's fine. <laughs> um, the entire company returns to the stage, each reprising his or her own song in an ever-rising cacophony that mirrors the terror-gripping Ben. Finally, the noise subsides as the madness dissipates and we are back in the real world. Ben, Phyllis, Buddy, and Sally are all alone. We can see that the sun has begun to, has begun to rise. Phyllis and Ben gather themselves to go home as Buddy helps an emotionally devastated Sally to her feet. As they leave the theater, young Buddy and young Ben call up to Sa young Sally and young Phyllis one last time. And that's how the show ends. Not going left. Bum, 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 bum. Not going right. That. Why is it? Why does so much happen? It or why does? Why are there so many different layers when it could just? I don't know. I. It's that's that's what the whole show feels course. like. What just happened? Yeah. To it's there's so much happening, and I understand that. Like this show is about. In the grand scheme of things, it's about. A group of former showgirls coming together to reunite one last time in the theater where they performed their young years. So uh -huh. they're coming together to remember the good old days and remember when they were young and nostalgia and all of that. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. But the real story is about these four people who are all unhappy in the choices that they have made in their life. And now mm -hmm. they are stuck because of those choices. Yeah. And... And I, I mean, I see why we want flashbacks to help us, help the audience understand, like, why they chose the paths that they did, and, mm -hmm. you know, it gives more weight to the choice that they made, but this show kind of feels like a jukebox musical without it actually being a jukebox musical. Yeah. Which is probably the point. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it does feel like a Follies show. Right. Like, it... You know, Sondheim did a really great job of, like, capturing that feeling and a lot, all of these numbers. But I think that it feels difficult to follow if you don't already know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't already know what story you're supposed to be following. Right. Because if I know if I didn't know, I'd be like, oh, I need to remember all of these characters. Yeah. And, like, who they are and what they did. No. You really only need to know the four. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just kind of, like... Yeah, well, in the soundtrack, like, it give, it's giving Les Mis in the sense of, like, every single thing that happens in the show is on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And that's really confusing and difficult. Yeah. It's, ugh, but it's so beautiful. Like, the music is so beautiful that I'm like, 
this show should run forever just so we can hear those beautiful songs. Or just do a concert of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a concert makes sense. Although there was a production in Chicago years ago where they did it in this like, not quite decrepit, but this really old theater and they did it in like the lobby of this really old theater where there's like oh, this big cool. grand staircase and it i haven't seen clips but i saw someone talk about it and they posted pictures of it was broadway bob broadway bob talks about Mark. it and he, he was broadway like bob. hey broadway bob big fans um he posted pictures of like the space that they did it and it's this is the show that if it, it should either be a concert or i think it should be a site-specific sleep no more style experience yeah that would be so cool where you can like follow these characters throughout and you could see it multiple times and follow a different character yeah and then you know we can still have the younger the youthful ghosts coming in and like helping fill out this story but an immersive sleep no more version of this show would be so fucking cool yeah oh my god that would be very cool and this is kind of designed, it, the show is written to be, that to, the show is written in a way where that would be very successful. I think so. I would love to see that. Um, so if anyone does that, copyright to me, cut me a check, um, and give me a free ticket, or cast me in it. You that could, would also be fine. You could do a musical theater sleep no more, actually, pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. I think... And it can be a show like this where it has, like, big songs that everyone knows and some songs that people don't know. Yeah. And I think that would be fine. Like, it, I think, needs to be a show like this where there's a million things happening. You could do it with Wild Party, too. Yeah. Um, pretty easily. They kind of did that with your production. Kind of. It, Not really, but they tr- it was a similar... It felt like the idea was there. Yeah. I think it would be interesting... To actually be able to follow the characters. Like, yeah. walk with them. Yeah. Um, that building, you could have done that in, too. I definitely. Think. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, I really like this show. I mean, I'm in the camp of Love It. I just think that the music is so beautiful. And Sally, specifically, is such a well-written character. Mm-hmm. I think that all four of the main characters are incredibly well-written. They're all very complex, and they're all dealing with a lot. Sally is just so interesting to me because unlike the other three who are claiming not to still be worrying too much about the past, she is very clearly Mm -hmm. and very openly thinking and worrying about the past. Yeah. Um... And I think that there is... Gotta let go, mama. You gotta let go. Truly. I'm like, girl, I can give you my therapist's phone number. Give her a call. Um, But it's just... It's such a beautiful show. Sally is such an interesting character to me. And I I love Bernadette Peters' version of the role. I love Emma Stanton's version of the role. I feel like... And I mean, this would kind of go into casting, but like a young Marin Maisie would have been like beautiful. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. They're just, it's, there's so much in it. There's so much in it. And I love it. Yeah. It's one of those that like, I think I need to see to mm-hmm. really like understand the full complexity of it, but like, or grasp the full complexity of it. But um, those songs that I do know, I love. I do think it's a little weighed down when it comes to, like, how much is happening. 
Yeah. Um, but I really like the idea of that immersive experience. And, like, my brain is, like, already trying to think of, like, how that could happen. And you could flush out individuals. Yeah, you could flush out the other characters more. Yeah, and you could flush out, like, what does Sally do after she leaves losing my mind? Like, where does she go? What, you know, that, that could be just, like... It makes me want to, like, do that. Like, figure it out. Yeah. And, like, really, like, dive into it and write it. Yeah. Girl, well, if you want, we'll do it. We'll collab. We'll collab. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think it would be so cool to, and I don't know that necessarily there are a lot of Sondheim shows that that would be easy to do. No. There's um, not a lot of shows that would be easy to do. Yeah, but this one feels almost like it was made for that, and they just didn't have the verbiage for it mm-hmm. at the time. Great. So, I feel like I've talked about everything I want to talk about in terms of, like, the show. Yeah. And I'm ready to get into dream casting. I know who I want my Sally to be. No question. So? Wait, now that I say it, now I'm thinking maybe I actually want her to be Phyllis. Okay, I just changed it in this okay. moment. Okay. Um, so, my backup um, Sally is Audra McDonald. Mm-hmm. Like, that's who I want. But then my, my version, I was like, no matter what I want her, I actually think I want her as Phyllis. Carmen Cusack. <gasps> mm. mm-hmm. But like she that. was my instinct, Sally. Yeah. But then, literally, in this one second, I was like, oh, wait, she would be really good she as Phyllis. She would be really good as Phyllis. Yeah. But, Ma- go ahead. Sorry, I just, Audra McDonald singing Losing My Mind would be just glorious. And she would act the shit out of it. Yeah. Um. So I cast Audra McDonald. Mm. Like that. It just Amazing. <laughs> obvious to me as older Sally. And then for younger Sally, I was thinking like a Danae Benton. Oh, um, cute. Yeah. I think she'd be cute. Have Philippa Sue would be really good too. Philippa Speaking Sue of Danae Benton. would be really good. As a older Sally when she's older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. Oh, yeah. That would be beautiful. I love Philippa Sue. I do too. I feel like she's just incredible. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm yeah. jumping to between okay. characters now. Continue. Well, I mean, we can go ahead and jump to, like, Phyllis if you want. Yeah, Stephanie J. Block is Phyllis. Stephanie J. Block is Phyllis, I think, is great. I cast Donna Murphy because after yeah. seeing her do Could I Leave You, that feels like her song. Yeah. Because it's just done so masterfully. And I would love to see her do a full production of the show. <sighs> yeah. After having seen her do that. I just want to see her on stage again. Yeah. I mean, Dolly. Hello Dolly was... Yeah, I didn't get to see her in Hello Dolly. Yeah. But that was a long, that was years ago at this point. Donna, come back. Donna. Donna, we miss you. <laughs> and then, let me tell you, there's no one who is a young Donna Murphy. At all. So I just, like, it's like, I don't fucking know who is another Italian dark-haired woman. She's not Italian, but not Anna Gasteyer. <laughs> Although, I would, I'd be down to see her as Phyllis. Phyllis. Me yeah. too. Um, Ariana DeBose. <gasps> yeah. She could play a young Donna Murphy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. She's not Italian, but, no, you know. No, they don't look anything alike, but the energy's no, the same. No, it's the energy. It's the, yeah. like... And that was... That's and they look... They about. could look enough alike. Like, in a wig. Yeah. You know, like, wig her and costume yeah. her in a way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think I was a little focused on, like, literally... No. How can I, yeah, no, you're right. You could, you could make that work. Yeah. Um, I was just like, Liz Gillies, like, I know that she can sing, which is great, but I really don't think she's great, but she was the only, like, Italian-looking 
mm. white woman with blonde hair that I could like think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't feel passionate about that, but I do feel passionate about Donna Murphy. So I was like, yeah. whatever, that'll be fine. Yeah, young Phyllis, uh, just Phyllis in general. Like, oh, young and old Carmen people. Cusack, Carmen Cusack, Stephanie J. Block. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first answer before Carmen Cusack is Carolee Carmilla. Mm. Mhm. She yeah. would be so fucking good. I mean, I don't know what this would look like. I just thought about this in the second. And Alice Ripley as Phyllis would be batshit insane. That would be batshit crazy. It would also be crazy because that is not what I think anyone would cast her as. No. People are going to cast her as Sally because she's losing my mind and right. next to normal. But, like, I'd like to see her do something like Phyllis. Yeah, I, would I do. Too. Because she would bring, she would bring a little bit of like, could I leave you like with an eye twitch? Yeah, you know, like the the kind of crazy that I think is necessary in this show for any of the leads. Yeah, um, Un- unhinged. Yes, unhinged. Um, close, close to the edge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, for Ben, for old Ben, I immediately knew who I wanted it to be, and that's Brian Stokes Mitchell. Um. Ugh. God, he would sing the shit out of the score. I've been listening to Prince of Egypt, Book Through Heaven's Eyes. I've been that's been like my walking down the street song recently. I mean, it's so ugh. You know, actually, now that I'm sitting down and thinking about it, I would want all of the young people to be like new. Yeah, like debuts. Um, which makes sense. Have have old old like established like stars, Mm -hmm. and then have young. Yeah, that's what I would actually do. Yeah, so that's what I have for Ben. Norm Lewis. Mm-hmm. But also, Norbert Leo Butts. That's interesting. I, like, think he needs to age in a little bit more. Yeah. But I think that just, like, he has the, like, acting power to have a groundedness and mm-hmm. brokenness. Yeah. And we would understand his suaveness a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Well, I think my thought was like, oh, he needs to physically emit this kind of, like, suave, debonair charm. But, like, in reality, most charming men don't exude that, like, physically no, at all. at all. I mean, no. look at him as Fierro. Truly. Yeah. Jamie. I mean, yeah. he is that type of... I, I don't know. I mean, great, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, like, that's his type. Yeah. He is the younger version of, he's living the life of a younger version of Ben. Mm-hmm. And so he'll just age into that type. Yeah. He would be great. Mm-hmm. He would be great. I didn't think about him at all, but I love that. Yeah. It'd be interesting. And I think the initial instinct would be to cast him as Buddy. Right. I also think he would be great as, yeah. but I would rather see him as Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. For Buddy... I'm going to lead with my young one, because my old one is what I'm excited about. Okay. My old one is the one where I was like, <gasps> um, so for a young buddy, I thought, um, Gaten Matarazzo in like five years. Oh, I was like, oh, young, young in buddy. Like, yeah, in a couple yeah. of years. I think he would be great. Mm. And then my old buddy, John C. Riley. Yeah. Right? And they would play. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little mad at John C. Riley for doing two musical films and then never singing again. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, really rude of him, so he's going to come back and do this What immersive. was the other one that he did? He did Walk Hard in Chicago. Oh. 
Um, the Dewey Cox. The Dewey movie. Cox story, which is a phenomenal yeah. movie. Maybe they'll make volleys into it. I mean, if if they're going to, cast he'd, Nancy Riley. He'd be a good wizard in Wicked. Mm-hmm. You, you saw who they're casting as Vero. Yes, and I'm so excited. Oh my god. Oh, sexy. Oh my god. So his, fucking hot. I'd, I'd never seen his, um, Jamie. <gasps> oh my god. But he is a Norbert Leo Butts type. He is a Norbert Leo Butts type. And I'm so happy that they went mm-hmm. that direction. Yeah. Well, have you watched Bridgerton, like, at all? Mm-mm. Season one of Bridgerton is, like, fine. Like, I enjoyed it for what it was. Season two of Bridgerton is so good. See, I heard the opposite. Well, some people don't have taste. <laughs> True. But I thought season two of Bridgerton was, like, phenomenal, and he, as the lead, is so good. Mm-hmm. And so, he's just gonna be an amazing Fiero. He's yeah. gonna be amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, he's gonna be so good. Look at your life. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. Who would you cast as Buddy? I think John C. Riley is 100% like the type that I was going to describe. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time. I mean, Christopher Fitzgerald is like. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah. Okay. I heard Christoph Waltz in my head oh. and felt like I Christopher blended. Walken. Yeah, I felt okay. like I blended the two. Um, but I cast him so much in this type. And so I just think that I want someone who is, who would be shocked by the amount of attention he gets, because mm-hmm. Buddy's Blues would be comedic in that way, where it's like, oh my god, I have so many options, but I, I never knew I would have these options, and mm-hmm. so, and so then we we have empathy for it, but he he learns a lesson through it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is why Danny Burstein is such a good choice. It's a perfect choice. Perfect choice. I mean, oh genuinely a perfect choice. Danny Burstein is always a perfect choice. Yeah, and he's so wonderful. anything he's ever done. But he's the MT John C. Riley. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, I my gut was to say Brian Darcy James, but I think Brian Darcy James is too confident. Yeah. He doesn't have... He can do, like, the goofy, but, like, look at his... um. Uh, Nigel in, yeah, Nigel Bottom, right? In something wrong. Yes. Or is that the brother? I can't remember, but the the main brother. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like look at him in, in something rotten. Like yeah. It. He's, he's more, confident. He's a Ben. He's more of a Ben. And I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Love to see it. And I would love to see it. Um. Yeah. I oh, get yeah. that. I get that. And then. For the Elaine Stritch track, which is the only other track I cast, I cast Natalie Walker in 60 Years. Oh my god. I love that. I love it. And that's that. Christine Baranski in 40 Years. Yes. Christine Baranski did a production of Follies. She did Phyllis. Um, in, of course she did. Which is like, again, pitch perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really, really wonderful. Oh, Emma Thompson <gasps> in like 40 Ooh, years. Mm-hmm. Would be really good. Mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter in 40 years, maybe, could yeah, even I mean, be fun. There are, there are so many women who I think would be phenomenal. Well, my, my very first thought, even though like I still think she's too young for it, but maybe in like 15, 20 years, Lilius White, mm. mm-hmm. I think would be really great. 
the I mean that track feels like one that like all of the Broadway greats are gonna age into and do. Yeah. Like Patty Lapone is going to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know that I would see her do any other track in this show. Maybe Phyllis. But, like, even then, I don't know that she... She could be Phyllis. She could be Phyllis. I don't know that I would want... I would rather see other people be Phyllis and her as the Elaine Stritch track. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Oh, she's so good as Joanne. So, so good. Oh, the video of her that goes around the TikTok where she's singing Ladies Who Lunch and, like... And then just, like, looks directly down the barrel. Of the camera. Well, I also like the um, videos of people who don't know the show super well, Mm -hmm. but have discovered the show because of her. Mm -hmm. And she, (laughs) and they were like, I don't know what she's singing, but they put the lyrics of what they think it is based on what she's singing. It's something like, Knocked on a leash, (laughs) let's all drink to them. It's so good. It's just, God, pounding the palm. The gift that keeps on giving. She's such a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Follies. What a beautiful show. What a beautiful show. What a beautiful, what beautiful Follies. Um, that's the end of September, so we're going to be starting our Halloween month with our next episode, which is The Toxic Avenger. Yes. Um, a nice yes. little off-Broadway, very different than Follies um, show. Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean there isn't some crazy interpersonal drama that happens there might be i really don't know the show that well yet i know so. i'm excited to actually listen to it because it's again it's one that i've wanted to listen to for a long time mm-hmm. um we also haven't talked about the fact that we've been doing this podcast for two years i mentioned that in therapy today <laughs> um we have not yeah we had a, a year like an annual episode last That's year right. but we didn't we didn't do anything do this, it year. this year well happy two years happy two years what if I, like, brought out a sheet cake? And you're like, like, I was hoping that you'd mention it. I was like, hoping you'd bring it up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, two fucking years. Two years. Just I cannot that. believe we've been doing this for two years. Me either. Two years have gone by really fast. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot going on in two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but when it comes to this, like, it, yeah. it went by very it's, fast. It's just, I think that, like, we found our rhythm with it, mm-hmm. and, like, Recording it and editing and da 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 da. So it just kind of like, yeah, it's true. Just doing a little dance. It's true. Two years. Yeah, and if you're listening and you haven't done this yet, um, download all of our episodes. All of them. Even if you don't listen to all of them, if you download them, it is very helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, if you are on a plane and you are like, oh my god, I forgot to. Download some music. Mm. You already have episodes downloaded. Two years worth of episodes. Two fucking years. And like, yes, our more recent episodes are better in terms of quality, but that doesn't mean that the older episodes aren't still a great time. Yeah. They're still fun. Go back and listen to when Jonathan was on. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And the other Jonathan. And the Stranger Sings episode. And Jonathan Hogue, yes. Yeah, Jonathan also. Jonathan Hogue. We've had almost all of the public choices from Stranger Things. Oh my god, that's Trying true. to get the, one of the new ones, um. Oh yeah. But, you know, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. Just for fun, just because it's like a collectible thing for me now. Oh, I know, for real. Um, yeah, that's it. You anything else you want to talk about before we leave? I don't think so. Okay, well. Maybe we can just play a little clip of, uh, Agony. 
Oh, yes. No, that's no, it. I don't want to get sued. It's all right. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to This Podcast Won't Run a Week. If you'd like to support us, be sure to rate, review, follow, like, and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're interested in additional very cool content, you can head over to patreon.com slash this podcast won't run a week. You can check out all of our social media information as well as performance links in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening. We love you lots. Goodbye. Look at your life. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. Are those recolas? Um, they're... Yes. They are. Can I have one? Yeah, my God. Please.